Archibald's, two Archibald's and an Alan Archibald. Hello and welcome to day seven of our 12 Days of Archie series here on Draw, Lose or Draw. Today we're going to look back on the iconic 1-0 win over Greenock Morton at Fur Hill in the 2012-13 promotion season. The first day of Christmas went through all three to five Archie balls! First up to talk us through Thistle's season up to that point is the man synonymous with that game, James Cregan. Fantastic. As I see, pre-season games went by. You know, we, have, we had a few great results in pre-season where I think we were pretty unbeaten there. And then obviously the league, the cup at that stage starts first uh, and then the league and then we just got on this fantastic run and, you know, being signed, I couldn't get in the team. I was nowhere near the team really because I think the lads won the first 10 out of 12 games and quite rightly so. That the manager stuck the faith with me, stuck the faith in uh, those players. But you know, it was great to be around. Training was fun. It was, you know, it was not overcomplicated. It was a lot of kind of like, uh, keep ball possession and then small sided games and all to a standard where you know people were competing all the time and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed you know when I first joined and that, that group of players. Yeah, that football was fantastic to watch in that yeah. season and I feel uh, we didn't know how lucky we had at, at that point. Yeah, because that's that the thing that we played on the Saturday. That's what we were doing all through the week. We were playing like that. The some of the one touch stuff, the movement, the the intensity and stuff like that. That was going through the week. So. You know, obviously you as fans get to go and watch that on a Saturday, but that's something that was just the normal, really. And to actually, you know, execute that on a match day was fantastic. So, uh, and also we had a bit of grit as well. We had, we knew that we could. You know, I think we went through a bit of a bad slump around Christmas time there when results went ahead. But you know, we had players in there um, that that could, you know, say actually, no, let's just tighten, tighten things up and and be solid as well. So we had some good characters there. We had a bit of everything, and we were all. You know, I've done various things over the years and spoken about that team, but we all had players there who want, who, who needed to and wanted to prove a point. They'd either been let go, told they're not good enough, or they were just forging away in their career. And mm-hmm. Jackie had a great blend, and his recruitment was so good that there wasn't fantastic. No one was on big contracts and stuff like that, and everyone knew that they had to go and put on a show to forge a career at football. Um, and and that's what we did. The team were landed in a difficult situation that season as manager Jackie McNamara left midway through for Dundee United. But the man who took over, Alan Archibald, spoke to James Kearney for the Evening Times earlier this year about the challenges in taking over a team that was expected to continue to do well. Uh, Joe, it was really strange. It, it, the whole thing was bizarre. The only good thing except being a good stead for it was uh, Jerry had already asked me to do the under-17s. Jerry Britton was back at the club before that. One of the times I started doing under 17s and stuff, I'd done my cruise ship when Ian was still in charge. So I got taken under 17s then towards the Jackie's just a year before he left. I started taking the reserves, still kind of a bit part playing. We couldn't afford a youth coach, so to speak. Uh, so the Jackie said, then I would do the reserves and I would train bits and bobs, kicking you do the full training. Mm-hmm. And I was only in the team now and again, but we had a great, he got a great young bunch of boys together to play. So when I took over, I was kind of was a semi-prepared. I was semi-prepared in terms of dealing with a set-up of a team and stuff like that. Um, wasn't quite prepared because we were flying high at the top of the league, just about, and then Jackie was leaving. The wheels had come off a, a little tiny bit in terms of we couldn't even away from home and things like that. So um, it was kind of sink or swim because it's one of the ones if you go and you don't get promoted, it would be my fault, so to speak. Um, so 
it was more all to lose than, than to gain, to be honest. But to be fair, the lads were fantastic. They were great. But I'm looking at that picture because it, yeah. that's the squad up there. But they were a great bunch of lads. You know what, what, what I found out in them as well, because I was still kind of in the coaching room and the changing room as well, we found out they were such a naive bunch. They'd never really been in a dressing room when a manager leaves. So as soon as the manager decided he was going, they were so vulnerable. They were so worried about who was going to come in next. Because I think... Probably 60% of that squad were all being rejected at bigger clubs. Steve O'Donnell, mm-hmm. Alan Taylor Sinclair, Conrad, Welshie. They'd all been bidding for like Premier League clubs yeah. and they'd worked with different type of managers who they didn't get on with or whatever. And Jackie was a totally different approach and gave them a platform and a freedom to go and play. Um, so it made it easy to take them on. They just wanted security and they just wanted things to be the same. So to that aspect, it was very, very easy to take over. Did you find it hard though, like going from being a teammate to now being... You know, the manager, um, right? is, that, is that hard to sort of draw a line? Or? A, wee, a little bit, um, but I had a lot of respect, to be fair. I had a lot of respect because I was already at the dressing room. One thing Jackie said, he said, look, you probably better kind of coaching him with us at the start of that season, actually. Right, okay, yeah. So I started getting changed in the coaching room, which was fine. Still with the night suit and stuff like that. Um, they didn't tell you everything right enough. That's what happens in dressing room as well. Um, that made the, the transition a lot easier, um, to be honest with you. Um, but I thought the lads were just desperate for me to be in charge because they wanted something new. They didn't even want change, so neither did. So they were just desperate for me to get the job. Like most footballers don't really love it and don't like change, so um, they knew they were getting themselves. Um, so it, 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 was, it was quite a smooth takeover. And thankfully, we kept on winning games. Which... Our opponents of Firhill that night, Morton, had been leading the title race for most of the season, as Morton fan Scott Barber explains. Salem will remain in his post and finished 18 year of four and obviously thought, Christ, we need to make changes. And we only stayed up due to a poor uh, air team, essentially, who finished ninth. And he went a wee bit mad, so like a wee bit of uh, hope was placed in that Paul de Giacomo it used to be at Kilmarnock uh, the season before and he got bunted to Airdrie, I believe. Uh, I think maybe off the top of my head. Uh, but he kept a hold of a couple of players, managed to keep Archie Campbell, who is still playing in about 30 lower league somewhere. Uh, kept Peter Weatherson, who could have went, uh, who just seems to be involved in Morton for an absolute age. You'd obviously be coming to the south before that, but uh, and this is around about the time where occasionally he would end up playing as a defender more often as a striker, uh, which is odd because he's like the third highest scorer in the club's history. He might actually be the highest scorer in the club's history. The only other players we really got to keep a hold of was uh, Michael Kidzer, who was our vice-captain that season. David DeBrine played a whole bunch of uh, games as well. He, he'd been there. And Thomas Aware, obviously, in the Thistle, and would go on to become Morton captain. Uh, he broke through the year before, but he managed another 10 uh, games. We nearly lost uh, Fred Bakaru, who was obviously a big brawl. Like, we had a guy that used to play for PSG, cutting about a cap. It was all very odd and quite exciting. Uh, so to keep Bakaru for another season, and then halfway through that season, we just talked that if they don't get promoted, maybe we'll just move on to St Murnau, that sort of stuff, you know, because uh, that was the top flight. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of rebuilding that went on. The build-up for the season just got tied up for Hibs. Uh, Willie Dyer for Rafe Rovers, Martin Hardy for Dunfermline, Derek Gaston used to be Albion Rovers, that's now at growth unless he's moved on again, Craig Reid for Queen of the South, and Mark McLaughlin we got from Hamilton, right? So he's a green up man, he'd support a lot of noise days, and 
they agreed to pretty much make him captain if he moved. So that's what happened. Uh, and then the season after under Kenny Shields, he was cruelly released uh, on Christmas Eve. It seems a bit what a time to let somebody go, but I. Uh, but he he was our captain that season. So it was like sweeping changes, and sometimes when you do that, particularly if you've played a season that was particularly good the week uh, the season before, then you're going to struggle. And yeah, we had made a whole bunch of changes because we we had to. But you're sort of thinking, particularly a Morton fan, finished eighth the season before, not expecting much, right? We lose to Falkirk quite early on in the season, right? And as a as a Morton fan, you're thinking to yourself. Same as usual, we'll take it as long as we don't need to have as much fear about potentially being relegated, we'll be quite sort of happy. Uh, that, that's generally uh, the expectations at Capo, as long as we're uh, definitely still a, a second tier club, that, that's roughly your level and we've, like, we've succumbed to that. Like we've, we've not played in the top flight since the year I was born and stuff. But they then very on Morton, they went on a five the five match winning run, uh, which caught everybody with surprise. Then drew the next two, so unbeaten in seven. Right? You're keeping into proper run, your hope uh, builds up a wee bit there. And then just at that, we lost to Hamilton at home. Right, the first half of the season, we only actually lost uh, two games, and both of them were focused on Hamilton. And then all the way up to the end of that uh, first half of the season, till we, we entered 2013. We'd only actually drew one other game. So the first half of the season we were uncharacteristically pretty good and flopping with top of the table. Uh, and just as we got there, uh, on the second, I believe, whatever New Year Day game fell on, uh, we get beat three 0 at home for them back. Right, so that that's quite Morton esque as well. Like, right, what were you thinking? Right, and I think the stuff that starts to cost us as well. As as soon as we had one bad result, normally we'd fall it up with underperforming the next game. A wee bit of like uncertainty creeps in. So like cowed and beef, we get a draw against them immediately after getting come out of Dumbarton, and then it looked like everything was back to normal. Thistle's chances of winning the league looked to have gone as Morton collected all three points of Firhill and Boxing Day. However, a rough patch saw Thistle get back into contention. But you would think, well, you've built up, you've won four in the bounds, parted, couldn't beat you, let, let's kick on to there. Could beat half Hamilton again in March. Uh, so that that busts your bubble a wee bit. Uh, we'd lose to Rafe Rovers as well uh, about a month later. But there was wee signs that we could fling it away at any point. So, like, Turriff in the Cup, uh, we are... St. Mum fans took great time and going, how can you use no beat them? If you are apparently getting promoted, it's all that about blah blah blah. Uh, it took a wee play to beat them. Uh, so there was always wee signs that we weren't perfect, but uh, far from it. But we were good at that level that season when we would have taken eighth at the start of the season. It, it came to absolutely not. After crumbling under the pressure during the Ramsons Cup final, the players were obviously nervous about then letting their chances of the title slip just a few days later. Archie explains the challenges that he had to try and keep the players focused. My biggest memory of that game was we were shitting ourselves because we'd lost the Challenge Cup on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So that was the hardest. That was the Sunday, actually. So that was the biggest thing. I mean, that's one of my best. That was in penalties, wasn't it? That was in penalties. Yeah, 
Yeah. Aye, and we probably didn't prepare for it as best. I mean, I was only just in the job when we were like up final, so we probably didn't prepare for it. I thought we, our preparation could have been better um, in terms of with a lot of young guys playing their first finals. I mean, there's a couple of them that probably played their worst games that day because I think it was too much for them. Mm. Um, they, they just had to be used to it. Yeah. It was a big crowd as well. Um, but they showed great desire to go and win the, the, the Tuesday night game against Morton. It was a quick turnaround. I always remember going down the walk on the pitch the next day, have a cool down session, and speaking about the lads and speaking to them. The boys were like, oh, you can't play our mute head, he'd lost the plot and stuff like that, and you can't do this. But they served us so well, um, and the crowd that night was brilliant. It was one of the best nights for Hills had in a long, long, long time, I think, if you asked any fan that. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, I think at the time, that was one of the highest ever attendances for you know, the, yeah. the, 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 in the modern era, you know? Like, the, no, definitely. Do you know what I mean? I actually think it when we played Celtic out there mm. last week with all the stands full of that, and it had that kind of feel about it, so it did. Fur Hill was packed that evening, the biggest attendance there in years, and the kickoff even had to be delayed. Ian Bateman and Jamie McDonald looked back on the crowd that night at Fur Hill. Uh, the Morton game, the 1 0 game, was so, I, I remember that night well. It was such a great game. So actually, I hadn't been going to Thistle for too long at that point. It was uh, one of my first games. I remember that. Firehill was rocking. Just fantastic atmosphere. Seeing all these fans. Just, you think, well, the first thing that comes to your mind is where have they all came from? You know, because you think we could maybe use it for Hill every other week. But still great to see them. Great to see them all there. Party hats on and everything. And the old ground was jumping. Absolutely jumping. And then having to delay the kickoff to get the fans for the Jackie husband into the what's the John Lambie stand there walking along the, the touchline but I hadn't been to enough games to realise that we did not always get attendances that size but uh, it was just amazing to see that many people in Far Hills I think 8,800 or something like that but it was a brilliant attendance I've never seen it beaten since yeah uh, kick- um, well I was going to say sorry on the Morton game like yeah so like that attendance that Am I right in saying that's higher than our like uh, old firm games? Uh, right? Yeah, we've not had we've not had an old firm game that's topped it. Yeah, obviously we're disappointed not to win that Challenge Cup final. Well, that was probably our, one of our worst performances of the season. Actually, I think it was. I don't think we were you know nervous by the occasion, but we just didn't perform well. And but yeah, we knew that we had to bounce back, and we did that. I remember leading up to the week, my parents were actually up from England. They had taken in the cup final, and because we were playing on the Wednesday, they just rented somewhere like in the, the Trossachs, not too far away from like Calendar and Aberfoyle. So they were up for the week. So I actually stayed with them that week and just for like the tr- went to training and the build up to the game and just travelled in. And um, it just felt like a normal game, but until we arrived and then obviously we were doing the warm up and it got kickoff got delayed by 15 minutes and everything got kind of like, we started saying, well, actually, this is the big one here. This is the actual, this is the, whoever wins this mm-hmm. is probably going to go on and, and win the title. And game is just like touch and go and all. it was probably one of the worst football games ever and then uh, like such a scrappy scrappy game and then James Craig and I think it was just before half time got that got that goal Back to James Cregan to talk through that memorable goal. Oh, 
spoke last week about you know the goal, and which is probably what I'm remembered for. And I always, I always say that that ball took an age for it to come to me, and it you know <laughs> came all the way through. I don't think it was intended for me. I think Squiddy kind of like said that not so long ago, and then it was for my eyes. It was just hit the target, hit the target, hit the target. And, I've caught it well, and you know it's it, it's flown in, and then the big blur for twenty seconds. I think I was jumping with the ball boy, and also the teammates coming mobbing and stuff like that. We spoke to the ball boy that James Craig mentioned there. Cameron Gray spoke to us earlier in the year about his memories of that special night. I was normally like one of the older ball boys, and um, like I think I was the second oldest, but I'd been doing it for years at this point. Uh, so I was always tasked with like sitting in front of the away fans, but. At that, at that point, obviously, we were winning, and you would just start, like, winding people up. Like, just if they're, like, they're shouting abusive players, you just shout some back. Just, like, as you would normally do in a stand, but with me being, obviously, so young, but so close to them, there's some abuse that you would get taken, like, which I don't know, uh, if, like, how much I can repeat on here. But, uh, you know, it was, it was like, looking back on it, it was some laugh, but it was quite scary at times, being, like, a, a 12-year-old, and there's, like, 40-year-old guys sitting just screaming at you. And... Like that Morton game in, in April was the big one. Uh, right before we scored, somebody actually launched a pie at me. Like, so right at the back of my head. So it hit me and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just like focusing on the game. And then Craigan obviously scores and then I run round. Because I was sitting right at that corner. So I run round and James Craigan, like, he's coming through and he's, he's shouting like, right at me like that, full that's in the, behind the, the shed, like as you're coming round for the toilet. Like, if you look at that, like, if you actually zoomed that photo out, They've zoomed past like my head because I'm I run right for him. You can watch in the highlights, but I actually I didn't even think about like celebrating with the players. Just like my best mate was sitting behind the goal, so I just wanted to get straight to him. So like the biggest moment I regret is like not celebrating that goal with James Cregan. I celebrated half, but I pushed him away so I could go and celebrate with my mate, and then immediately walk walking back to Morton fans in complete like despair, and then launching that pie straight back at him. And then getting absolutely rocked after the game for doing that <laughs> because like every the amount of times you'd get told that like, oh, you can't like you can't speak to the fans or anything like you can't wind them up because like it could it's a pure health and safety issue like what happens if they like take it the wrong way and they, they come in like try and do it I was like I'm a living I'm not going to try that but then there's times where you you look back and you realise like why like why do I know just listen just sit there and do my job but it, it makes it better I think for like the fans what well, obviously will go down as one of my best moments and biggest moments in my career so far and probably to probably will will be uh, but to see Fir Hill and you know Morton brought a lot of fans as well packed and it was just raw passion and emotion even like we were hanging on for the last 10 minutes it was it was something special which is still hard to be replicated yeah just uh, that night was absolutely fantastic uh, I yeah. hadn't been a Fessel fan for too long at that point but yeah was- I, I remember it very well. It was such a good night. Just the game was fantastic. It was so nervy the whole game. You know, in the ninetieth, you know, the ninetieth minute, everyone's just whistling, trying to get the referees to blow the whistle. And the scenes at full time when Craigan scored. What what a game! It's just I didn't I didn't appreciate it enough at the time. If we had that kind of thing now, you know, pushing for the championship title to go up, big game like that, it would, it would be amazing to just get to relive these kind of things. Just great to see, of course, that result. Me Craigan banging that one. And then wheeling away, just blowing the whistle, waiting and waiting the ref, finishing the game. And that was us. Great season. James Craigan scoring 
scored the only goal in the game, to be fair. And, and, and it was good that he scored the goal in terms of because every player in that squad played an integral part. So they did. They all they all gave something. Um, and James was always in the periphery because at the time we had Stevie Lawless, Ross Forbes, and Chris Erskine, yeah. Chris Dillon, guys like that. So James played a part as well as the guys like Chris Dillon and stuff like that. So it was good that he got the goal. And, and I don't think there was any way we were going to lose after that. Things just go for you. We went to Airdrie, I think, the Saturday after that, and we scored, Chris Dillon scores in the last minute. And then immediately after the Thistle game, instead of trying to like add a bit of pressure and chase a wee bit, even though to that we sort of bit back, we lost to Dunfermline the week after as well. So, so by less than 10 days from the last game between Thistle and Morton, you were mathematically promoted. And then the wheels fell off the buggy. We actually lost the last two league games that people forget about as well. Again, to Hamilton. Don't know why Hamilton was such a bully team, considering they weren't that good that season. And Falkirk. So that, that was pretty much our season. And obviously, as Morton fans, we, we don't expect it to be as good, particularly the way we were sort of cobbled together that season. But it took us by surprise and then obviously with Fissel were the big title rivals and you, you, know, you beat them twice because they keep your men sent off and whatever else all that <laughs> all that sort of helped but yeah uh, at the end of the season was more traditionally modern than the majority of it the first half of the season was really good in hindsight here are the thoughts of James Kearney and David Forrest I, that that game though, like also that was the big one. That was the absolutely massive one, and that that was the one where I really thought that I I was I was terrified going into that game. I remember being I, you know, I think it's because like, we've got this thing as Thistle fans, don't we? Where it's ingrained in us that you know it's never going to go right. We'll go close and then we'll fuck up because that's generally what we do. I mean, you'll see the Challenge Cup final a few days previously is the perfect example of that, where it was just. I think if I had to describe Partick Thistle Football Club in one game and then just like, this is what it's like, you'd show them that game, you know. So, yeah, the Martin game was, was I, I, I genuinely think it was probably the most important game Thistle have had in a, a, a long time, to be honest, just because it, it set up, obviously, everything that was to come afterwards. And it was the real sort of, it's a real sort of culmination, I guess, of just years of disappointment. Of it, it, it felt really, what's the word? Like it really felt like it was a huge release that day because I was worried that I wasn't going to see Partick this in the Premier League as it was at the time. Like I, I was worried I wasn't going to see them there again for a long time because, despite the work that Jackie and then obviously Archie had done at the club. I just, I, I, I think because we've taken such a huge step back, basically ever since Lambie left before that, we didn't, you know, we'd never really proven ourselves to be a Premiership team from that point onwards, in my opinion. So to, to regain that, to regain that standing within football, to regain that our places, you know, we're one of maybe probably about half a dozen clubs that would say that, you know, we're normally sort of bottom half Premiership, top half Championship, and that's our sort of natural place. But to, to regain that sense of, no, we are the Premiership club, you know, sort of you know, back in the big time, blah, 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 thing. But it, it really, that whole upward trajectory was where I really, really fell, like properly fell in love with Thistle again because it was my first experience of supporting a winning team. Like obviously, as Thistle fans, you don't get that very often. So when it does come along, it's really quite special to you, I think. 
Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Like I this was this was sort of the first season I started going really to games. Um, not very often, but it was it, I I'd basically spent my entire teenage years not really that interested in football. I'd still watch it and things, but I wasn't, you know, going to games or anything like that. I, and you know, I, I I had a sort of tertiary interest in it. There was other things going on in my life, but. I remember this was like I just finished. I was I was a, just finished being a student at this time, and had a bit of like you know a bit of free time and stuff like that, and I started going, and um, yeah, it was a case of I I remember this season, every week putting a coupon on because this was, this was the this was the year that Rangers were in the third division, I believe, and mm-hmm. I put on a coupon every week with Celtic to win, Thistle to win, and Rangers to win. And um, I, I got so much money from that. <laughs> um, and it was just so weird that I'd, I'd kind of not really bothered with football and then landed at Thistle, so to speak, because I'd always liked them, but it was a case of this is when I, I first started going to games and all that, and landed at Thistle, and they were winning games. So I, I kind of missed a lot of that period of us being quite chronic and, you know, losing to Gretna 6-0 and, you know, stupid results of that. So it, 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 it kind of didn't set me up very well that... This was the first season I kind of took an avid interest in them, and it was a case of, um, you know, they were really quite good, and it kind of bred this into you. We were like, we're actually quite good. We might, you know, we, people say that we're bottlers and stuff like that, but we're not. And then um, clearly, I was proven wrong on that after about two years. But um, yeah, like it's, I know what you mean. Like it's just a case of seeing a winning team is it feels bizarre now. To think of the idea that Thistle could be, you know, an all-conquering team that like just put teams to the sword and stuff like that. It's we've spent so long in the Premiership kind of battling for survival that it's became a bit alien to ourselves. So no, I totally agree. I think I think the thing with that season and then like the subsequent two or three as well was that yeah yeah obviously it gave you that sense of you know, what Thistle could be because before that I'd only known. Misery as a Thistle fan, you know. Um, obviously, you had the Lambie taking us up leagues, but then after that, you know, relegated, relegated um, you know, ended up down League One or the division, first, second division, was it called that then? Yeah, second division. Um, you know, and then going away to games, like, I remember going away to games with Morton that season, and I think we drew one all, but I just think that, you know, for so long, I was just assumed that, you know, Thistle was just kind of. My, my whole experience of Sporting Thistle was just mediocrity, to be honest. It was, you know, we didn't really make much of a dent in the Cups. We didn't really make much of an impression in the league. And that season, the, the 12-13 season, that was the one where it showed that actually, no, we can, this is what it can be. Like, you know, we can play this entertaining, attractive football. We can, you know, have a largely young squad that's really exciting and then, but most importantly, that we can be successful because I hadn't really seen that before. And you think if you looked at upper clubs around Scotland at the moment, you look at some club like I don't say Martin, and I don't like sticking the boot in just for the sake of it. But you think you know, they've been in what sort of Championship, League One, the last what twenty odd years, something like that. It's been a long time. So you look at a club like that where it's like you don't really do anything, do you? I mean, you occasionally get relegated to the third tier, you know, come bounce back up again, but. That's about the extent of it, the old promotion challenge, and that's it. And I think that that's the good thing about Thistle, where it's like, yeah, okay, it's, I mean, the 
the swing from like a, a bad season can be and what a good season can be is dramatic. You know, it's incredibly dramatic. I mean, you, get, you get real highs as a title fan, but you get real lows too. But I love that about it. I love the fact that, you know, when 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 we're low, we are low. But then when it's good, it can be great. And I think it's a that's that's one of my favourite things about being a Thistle fan is that you do get to experience that full you know, breadth of emotion, which at other clubs you don't always do. And I know that probably sounds really dismissive. I really hope it doesn't come across that way. I don't want to sound like that. Because obviously, if you support your team, you support your team. And they're the most important thing. And that's fine. It doesn't matter if it's junior football or you know, Champions League. That, you know, they're a team, okay. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that I do support a team that's interesting. Where, you know, there are, you know, every season it's a battle against relegation or going for promotion. Or, you know, we very rarely just sort of, like, you know, fart around the middle of the table and don't really do much. You know, it's always interesting, which is fun and nerve-wracking and, you know, it can torment you at times, but that's the beauty of football, isn't it? Seven Archibalds, six Thank you for joining us on day 7 of our 12 Days of Archie series here on Draw, Lose or Draw. It was narrated by Matt Greer and edited by David Forrest, with contributions from David Forrest, James Kearney, Jamie McDonald, Kieran Ashton, Ian Bateman, Cameron Gray, Scott Barber, James Cragen and Alan Archibald. Thanks to the club for allowing us to use the recording of the Alan Archibald interview. And as always, stay safe, wear a mask, and a happy new year when it comes. Yeah,